This is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of HSDT. I am so happy that you're here. If this is your first time listening, I want to extend a very special welcome to you. You have stumbled across my favorite thing to come out of the 2020 quarantine. How'd she do that podcast was birthed during that season. And wow, it has quickly become my favorite Thing. I want to let you in on a little inside scoop. Today's intro is a little different than some of my others because I am jumping on to record this right after uh, my call with Morgan. I had to. I have so many fresh takeaways. I am so excited about this episode, and I wanted to give you all a few heads up in regard to this conversation with Morgan from Shop. Buru. So we just spoke, and I just have to say that out of all of the episodes I've done for HSDT, Morgan is in the top percentile of just sweetest guests ever. All of my guests are sweet. All of them are amazing. But Morgan really took the time today to not only share her story, but before recording and after recording, we were chatting it up. She had so many great questions for me. So just excited about what's happening over here at the podcast. And truly, you're going to hear her say this. She has listened to all of our episodes. How amazing is that? How sweet is that? I just had to jump on here and go ahead and brag. This is a pretty much a bragging introduction uh, for Morgan because it was amazing. I also want to give you an update. You're going to want a paper and pen out during this recording. Morgan shares so many great pieces of wisdom. I was over here writing away and I have two sheets of paper just writing out different things that she shared, different things that she said. A couple of encouragements from the episode. You'll you'll hear this uh, um, a shout out to her dad who mentioned to her at one point in life that, you know, she was in a layover season of life and I just want to offer that up to you guys as you listen and as you hear Morgan's story. Um, many of you might feel like you're in a layover season and you need to jump on that flight. You need to get on board and you need to take off. So is that a business? Is that an idea that you might have? Take some of Morgan's confidence and step out of that layover season and into the flight path Ooh, ahead of you. So you guys are going to love this conversation again. Morgan is just such an amazing connector. You're going to hear her talk about building authentic relationships. And if you follow her and if you love seeing all that she's doing with Buru, I'm here to tell you it's it's the true, it's the truth. It's who she is. Um, and gosh, I just can't say enough. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Morgan Hutchinson. Today's guest, Morgan Hutchinson, is the founder of the LA-based clothing brand, Buru. After having her first child, Morgan discovered her wardrobe needed a mommy makeover. Scanning online shops, luxury boutiques, and high-class retailers, she had little to no success in finding sustainable and washable fabrics. With the help of her husband, Brett, Morgan embarked on her journey to develop a brand styled and inspired for motherhood. 
Morgan leads Buru as the exclusive designer of every collection. Keeping an attainable price point for customers, Morgan believes mothers should feel beautiful and comfortable in their clothes. Buru is meant to carry over all generations, seasons, and phases of motherhood. We also can't fail to mention she loves adding pockets as a finishing touch. When Morgan isn't traveling across the the country for pop-ups or encouraging young moms, she is likely spending time with her own family, which includes her husband and three kids. Morgan, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you so much for having me. I'm such a fan and honored to be included. Oh, well, thank you. I I told you this before we started recording, and I want to share again so that my listeners can hear. You come uh, highly recommended, not only from listeners, but also previous guests. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I have listened to every podcast (laughs) that you've done, and um, I'm such a fan of so many of the women that you've had on here as well, Mm. and... I just love hearing um, female founder stories, and I think that you do it in such a way that is personal, mm-hmm. and you really feel like you're getting to know these women, or in the case where I already know some of these women <laughs> well, I feel like I learned so many new things about them. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, that's the hope for today. That's the hope for this conversation, to get to know you, and I am excited because I've been following you for quite some time, so to have you on today, this is this is a real treat for me, and, and you You've listened. You've listened to the podcast, so you know I love to just dive in. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about you, maybe what your college season of life looked like, where'd you go to school, and what did you major in? Absolutely. I grew up in a very small town in Kentucky, um, graduated with 90-something kids, oh. and had a, you had a lovely small town childhood. And then um, when it was time for college, I sort of knew instantly. um, I had visited the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa one time. I thought it was beautiful and just felt a pull to go there. Um, So I did. And I majored in interior design, even though I think at my core, fashion was always the passion. Hmm. Growing up in that small town, I knew not a single fashion designer, personally, (laughs) obviously. And (laughs) I don't know if you know this, but Murray, Kentucky is not a fashion mecca. (laughs) Uh, And so I went into interior design, which to me, I suppose, was the next best thing. And it was more relatable. I knew interior designers. I think um, for my father, who's a lawyer, his dream would have obviously been for me to be a lawyer. <laughs> I would ask him sometimes if we'd met because there's just <laughs> nothing in my personality that would strike anyone as a lawyer. But so I went into interior design thinking it was the more practical choice. Speaking of like learning a, a solid lesson mm. um, at a young age to realize that sometimes you really do have to listen to your gut because mm. now what I'm doing, I so wish I had that fashion degree. Um, Mm. to have those skill sets. But so I major in interior design and it takes, I graduate and it takes all of about six months to realize I do not like interior design. Uh, (laughs) I love designing my own home where I, you know, you have the creative freedom. But when you are trying to convince someone to either do um, something kind of over the top for commercial or even in their own homes, the expense is, you know, incredibly high. So I understand the lack of wanting to take a risk, but I just found it it wasn't enjoyable for me. I just wanted some risk, like some splash of color. And so very quickly realized interior 
interior design was not my passion. And I was living in New York City at the time. My two best friends who are identical twins, and we grew up across the street together. So we're going on 38 years of friendship at this point. I think we met um, when we were two and three. Uh, we're all living there and, of course, just living the 20-something high life in um, New York, in teeny apartments, walk-ups, all the things that you do, but loving every minute of life. And we, on a cocktail napkin uh, at the Carlisle Hotel, where I'm sure we could uh. not afford the drinks, <laughs> we mapped out this product line, uh, a lingerie line called Passport Panties. And this was sort of my first step into, um, I guess, what would sort of become like a serial entrepreneur for me. And uh, we came up with this idea, and the concept was girl on the go. It was meant to be something you would have in your purse in case your luggage was lost on a trip or you started your period unexpectedly. Um, And so it really snowballed from there. I think when, you know, the three of us growing up in the small town, we were – quite resourceful out of necessity. Uh, if you couldn't find something in Murray, you kind of had to make it. You know, we were, it was the middle of nowhere. Nashville was the closest city and it was two hours away. So we just ran with the idea and um, figured it out along the way. So this would have been back like 2004 and five, 2005, I guess, like on the cusp of 2006. And Back then, it's funny because there was not Alibaba, or if it was, it was obscure and it was not something where you could just bop on there and be like, I'm looking for a manufacturer of XYZ. So we ended up um, sort of starting this company with uh, using um, a resource in New York who was basically acted as an agent and a correspondent between us and the manufacturer. So we get some prototypes. And we decide to go to market. Um, green as all get out. We go to market selling this product. We Marketing is a huge part of it. So we dress as vintage flight attendants in pink suits with red pillbox hats. Oh, Everything gosh. is about the travel aspect of it. So the sizes are window, middle, and aisle. And the colors <laughs> of beverages you might have on a plane. And people really took to it. Um, wow. And they took to it actually before we had physical product in hand. So... Um, we make all these sales, then we figure out uh, how to produce the product. And, you know, honestly, we, we get it done, but we we run into um, some roadblocks, as you um, might imagine. And ultimately, we realize that we've got to have our own manufacturer. This agent business is taking way too long. The communication um, is a drag. It just takes forever. So I'm a huge believer in timing um, I'm not sure if that's been the case for your life, but I think that hard work plays into so much, but you have to have some some timing and some luck involved. Yeah. And we had been, uh, we traveled all over doing these wholesale markets. So we were in, um, at this point, about 500 boutiques. And oh we early on were picked up in Women's Wear Daily, which helped us get Henry Bindle and- oh, wow. um, rolled into Neiman Marcus and there were all sorts of these great opportunities, but we, we really needed a proper manufacturer and not this middleman that I was um, sort of explaining. So we'd been at a market and I can't remember exactly why I was flying back by myself. 
Because I know we, I mean, we did all the markets together in our matching three pink suits. And I land back in New York and there is a massive cab strike happening. Oh, so wow. I walk out of LaGuardia and there's a line wrapped so far around the cab stand. And I was, we were actually um, coming back into town for um, a passport painting event that was going to be at Bungalow 8. And I'm kind of aging myself. Uh, I'm not sure. Yes. <laughs> no, so fun. I'm glue eight, right? I'm aging myself yeah. a little bit. No. And I wasn't, I don't, I don't think I would have made it. So I popped to the front of the line. I see this darling woman in front by herself. And I just asked her if I could pay for her taxi in, if she'd let me ride with her. <laughs> it's very aggressive of me. But she says, yes, she's this lovely British woman. Um, she's actually like, you can ride with me, but let's split it. So I hop in the cab with her and I mean, obviously you still have a little bit of a ride into the city. So we just start, um, chatting and explaining what we do. I tell her all about passport panties and she actually shares with me that her husband represents a, a fantastic lingerie manufacturer in Thailand who produces for some of the top European lingerie brands. What? And it's funny because I was like, okay, great. This is who we'll start working with. So, And Mary Kay and Kim were very kindred spirits in that, like sort of go get them. And I think because it was a woman, like, Mm. first of all, I would not have gotten in a taxi with a strange man. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I did, I did learn those lessons even in small town America. And, but I felt so comfortable with her and because it was a female telling me about this, I didn't feel like it was any type of scam or, you mm. know, we're talking about her two children and wow. all of these things, probably a little bit risky, but I would say within two weeks, we had booked our tickets to Thailand to go and see this factory. Um, long story short, this factory works out. We have several visits to Thailand. We up our manufacturing. We start developing this beautiful shapewear line um, that was really not something you were seeing on the market. It was colorful. There was lace involved. It was all laser cut. And we feel like we have found a match made in heaven because the owner of the factory, and it is quite an operation, um, and he wants to invest in us. Wow. So this is sort of... I think I said 2006-ish at this point, maybe going into 2007 because we've been doing several trips back and forth to Thailand um, and and working on our production with him. And he wants to invest by 25% of the company. And he also wants to not just give us a line of credit, but basically working, working capital so that when we do our purchase orders, we would not have to pay the factory until we received the money from the purchase orders, which... When you're selling wholesale, it can be you know anywhere from thirty to ninety days out, depending on the size of your right. retail. Wow. Uh, am I am I going off to crazy tangent here? <laughs> no, I am loving every second of this. Perfect. Literally, the details are amazing. Please, yes, continue on. Um, and so, we think this is incredible. Like this is the tipping point we've been waiting for. That you know, an infusion of cash and then this line of credit and a manufacturer who's on our side and wants our success, yeah. not just our money. Um, and so, so now here we are. Like it takes a while to close this deal, and I think that I we all learned so much about you know someone wanting to invest in you and then how long that process can actually take, right? So we were still plugging along with the business, of course. 
Um, but we start to get into, I think by the time like final pen on paper, we're, we're getting closer to 2008, which 2008 and nine, as we all know, was not the best right. <laughs> financially. So wow. um, things are really starting to happen, but we're noticing massive swings already starting um, in our wholesale markets. And not just in our purchase orders we were receiving, those were becoming smaller, but just the traffic in general. And you just were starting to see like less boutiques and um, buyers were far more cautious. And then you know, the bottom really does fall out relatively soon to where I'm speaking this time period. Um, but we see the writing on the wall a little bit. So we start pursuing some other opportunities. And one of them is QVC. And so I, speaking of more things we learned, I had no idea that QVC was basically like a college campus. Um, when you go there, it is so large and very intimidating and perhaps harder to get into than Fort Knox. And, but we did it and we actually had some help. There were, there's a group of women, um, I'm sure there are men too, but where they sort of seek out female brands and they try to, you know, help you get exposure and, and get through these doors, which, I'm, you know, I always love women supporting women. I think that's a super necessary for us to all hit our own strides. And yeah. we, we get through the door, we pitch the shapewear and they are very interested. It takes several meetings to get it sort of locked down. Um, and we're in there, you know, with kind of this set of samples. Uh, production quality samples, but just one set. And that is important in just a minute. So they write a purchase order. And at this point, we are really in the financial crisis. Like I think wow. we've seen Lehman Brothers close. I think we were actually there for a market when that's happening. And so wow. we're trying to get this done. And you can see that our Thai partner at this point, I think is um, starting to be a little more timid and pushing back on our request for samples. So when mm. you sell to QVC, you have to have absolutely perfect samples, meaning everything has every size, every color, every tag, every box, every bag has oh to be exactly gosh. what it will be when the customer receives it. Oh. And I don't even think we had a full appreciation for that expense because ultimately, um, think about when you order paper goods, even if you're ordering thank you cards, Think about how different the price is between one and 500. Right. It's almost like that barrier to entry. Yes. <laughs> you know? And so he really pushed back and um, we missed the deadline and we lost the purchase order. Oh. And I'd say from there, things really just took a turn. And it was interesting also, you know, I spoke of timing earlier mm. that as we're sorting, Passport Panties is um, kind of rocky over here. I, a lot of the financial crisis is playing into that, but we also have a lot going on in our personal lives. Mm. Um, my two amazing partners who are to this day best friends and my chosen family. Mm. Um, and, and a testament to the friendship is surviving a business that doesn't work out. Right. The way. <laughs> yes. Um, and I was going through some massive changes. I had met my, I had met Brett in oh. New York at the Carlisle also. So there's oh my gosh, it's why our third baby is named Carlisle. Oh. And um, so I'm having big changes. I meet him, and two weeks later, he actually moves to China. So I'm sort of in this weird layover of life, trying to figure out where I'm going to go. Both Mary Kay and Kim, like I mentioned, are pregnant, and um, the investors spooked. 
I think because of our personal lives, to be honest, and mm. I think because of everything going on in the world. Wow. My first reminder of how a female's personal life plays big time yeah. into her career, um, maybe in ways where men do not face that particular challenge. Yeah. Um, but so we we decide that once QVC falls through, and I, I shouldn't even say we, I mean, obviously the girls were about to have a massive change right. with the babies, but ultimately when it, when it didn't work, I was looking at myself living in New York by myself. Um, the girls had moved at that point to be with their husbands in different cities and Brett's in China, um, uh, you know, a 14 hour flight away. And I just say, I, I've got to go. I mean, there, <clears throat> I think my family thought I was crazy because I hadn't really known this man very long and I was about to move to China <laughs> for him. But uh, in the end, it was completely the right thing. Very scary at the time. But my dad said to me, he's the one who actually used the layover. He said, you're living in a layover and long distance relationships are dreamy and not totally realistic. So you got to get over there and see if this is real or, you know, move on because you could give a, a big part of your life to someone that, and maybe it doesn't work. That's also incredible. Like that's super duper long distance. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's a 13 hour time difference. And oh my gosh. So even though I had um, a much longer lease, uh, Brett and I, he was back in the States for a visit and over a little bit of champagne, we said, well, you know, QVC had fallen off. Um, I did not know where Passport Panties was going at the time. And I said, well, he said, actually, if we could get you out of your lease, would you move now? And so it was a little bit like, okay, well, let's just see if we can get out of the lease and that'll be my sign. <laughs> so I call my amazing landlord and um, in my teeny tiny little apartment um, down by Washington Square Park. And she says, you know, actually, we were about to call you just to see if there was a chance because our daughter would like to move back to New York. Oh my god. And gosh. so I took that as a sign and um, basically spent Christmas, Brett spent Christmas with my family. And on January 2nd or something, I flew back with him with 10 suitcases and some boxes and I moved to China. <laughs> and that was looking back. I mean, it was so exciting and wonderful. But when I look back, I just think, oh my, especially now as a mother, <laughs> what would I do if Olive at 28 years old said, I'm going to China for this man I've known for not even six months at the time. So oh I did not speak the language, obviously. And we lived in Beijing, which when I try to explain this to friends and family who haven't spent any time in Be in China, right? I always add that it is very... China. Right. <laughs> um, and I do not mean that in any negative way, right. only to say that Hong Kong, of course, its own entity, and Shanghai are quite a bit westernized. There's a lot more English speaking happening. Wow. Beijing is the center of their government, um, and there's very little, you know, and that was, uh, this is, now time has, you know, passed. This is 2009 uh, that I finally move, and very few people speak English in Beijing. No cab drivers, nothing. So. Oh. Here I am. I've moved to China for love, and <laughs> I um, passport panties is now we've like officially sort of parted ways with it, um, which was a heartbreaker 
Mm. Um, but I really wouldn't be who I am today without any of those experiences and yeah. all the things I've learned um, that have helped Buru become what it is. But so, so at this point, it's 2009 and I am in China and I do, do not speak the language and I am with <laughs> this man that I love very much, but we're not married. <laughs> and so I have no work visa. Oh. I am just there and talk about um, a time of growth for mm-hmm. me. I So I guess I turned 29 pretty soon after I moved there. So I start studying the language. This is I. It's it's funny. You really realize how much you've done since you graduated from college. Yeah. When you, yes. <laughs> start sharing your story. Yes. Uh, so I start learning the language, and I start putting myself out there in a way I've I've never done before. I, wow. I didn't know anyone at the University of Alabama, but just because of the southernness of the school mm-hmm. and sororities, you meet people pretty quickly, and it's almost like handed to you. Yeah. It is not handed to you. As a blonde expat in Beijing. (laughs) I wouldn't think so. I literally start going, I'm like scouring the expat magazines and I start going to networking events, um, which is something I had never participated in. Uh, And then I just kind of start hitting on any blonde I see on the street or at a (laughs) restaurant because I'm thinking maybe she speaks English and we can be friends. Not that I was anti-brunette. I just was kind of a sign that maybe they were American or, you know, um, at least European. Oh, my gosh. So long story short, I I do finally start making friends. And one thing that was interesting about Brett is nine years older than me. And so I learned that – in China, in that expat community, and this is for anyone who might be thinking of moving abroad, although I'm pretty sure China is not on their mind at this moment, but, <laughs> but I, I realized that the 30, approaching 30, there was a massive void. So you had all these fantastic and fun 20-somethings who were coming over kind of right out of college to teach English as, as a right. second language. I mean, wow. obviously, this is still the financial crisis in yes. America, but China is booming. Wow. Um, And then you had sort of uh, expat executives and executive wives so who were in their 40s. So here I am, and and you have older kids. So it's either older kids or no kids and super young with no dreams of having children for a decade at least. (laughs) And so I feel like we have this like weird life of like party scene that we kind of can't keep up with (laughs) and then like very established families – so it was it was a struggle for me, and I was I was lonely. Mm. Uh, the time change was tough because even just connecting with my mom and with friends, um, mm. you know, it's morning for me, it's night for them. Um, and then Mary Kay and Kim had these two precious new babies, so they were mm. in a totally different phase. Um, but as luck would have it, I meet this fantastic human named Mei Lee, mm. and she is a very successful makeup artist oh. in Beijing. And works for one of the expat magazines. And um, she features me for my style because if ever I have experimented with fashion, it was Beijing because I didn't know anybody. She was like, well, this is what I'm wearing today. And it has a hoop skirt. I I wore whatever I wore. I'd always been somewhat that way, but I really let it go in Beijing. And so that's sort of how we met was because I was wearing something uh, really over the top (laughs) at at a party. And uh, she asked if I would want to do some styling for um, her shoots that she would do in the magazines. Oh, and so wow. 
I did. And I mean, just in terms of my career and life, um, they've not been accidents. They are very much at the core of who I am, all these things I've done. Yeah. But it's amazing how all the pieces are truly like a puzzle to make you become the business owner or the professional that you will eventually become. And I had never done professional styling. I mean, every morning when I got up, I was majorly styling my own ensemble. I had a lot of time <laughs> on my hands. Uh, but as I started doing it professionally, I really loved it. And I loved the thought that went into it and sort of even just curating the pull from what they would pick, um, I think plays out into Buru years later when we start the brand. But so I, Brett and I officially get married while we're in China, by the uh, way, just kind of moving the needle along for you. Yes. And we got married in South Africa, actually, which was amazing, and then had some USA celebrations. Um, and in that time, I, I've, you know, we're, it's been years that we've been in China now, and I've grown so much. And then I, I grow a lot physically because I become pregnant with our first one. And so, um, and I, I didn't really mention why we were in China, but uh, obviously we've mentioned the financial crisis several times. Yeah. But when, when Brett had left the company that he'd been with for years, it actually moved to Atlanta from New York and he didn't want to go, which I'm so grateful for because we never would have met. He would have already been in Atlanta. But... He went over with a group of investors, um, private equity, to buy car dealerships, foreign wow. foreign brands, but car dealerships all over northern China. And when I was seven months pregnant, um, so now we're into, gosh, I'm, my brain, I think we're into 2012 at this okay, point. Okay, yes. Yep. And so the American economy is like on, it's headed up mm -hmm. and the China economy is not. Wow. <laughs> we sort of had like a, a flip-flop. Yeah. And uh, they had an opportunity to sell this business to a Chinese national company. So it, up until that point, it had been wholly foreign owned, uh, which is a much different expat experience when you're working for a company that is owned by your own right. home country. Wow. Um, so he knew... He felt so confident that the deal was going to happen. And he said, we got to get you home um, to the States to have this baby. And we need to, I mean, ultimately, he came home and said, tomorrow you need to find movers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I'm like, wait, we've already paid for all of to be born here. And this seems very fast. Um, I'm super pregnant. We are homeless and we have no American insurance. So wow. because we've sold our place in New York. Right. Um but we do it because, you know, that's life. What else are you going to do? So yeah. we we uh, moved back to my hometown, which uh, I joke was more culture shock than me moving to Beijing. I to be think so. After, after all those years in really big cities, you know, Beijing has like 25 million people or more. Um, oh so we moved back God. to my hometown and in with my parents. <laughs> Which I'm sure was a dream come true for Brett at 41 years old. Um, and so uh, we basically get back. To, I mean, obviously it took a while. I mean, I was seven months pregnant when he told me, but it took a while to get the movers and plane tickets. We had to get my mom over to fly back with me because he had to stay for the deal to close. Oh so we make God. it back to America just weeks before she's born. Oh and God. then she ends up being born in the same hospital as me and my dad. 
Uh, which is so the opposite of what we thought, because as I said, oh. we had paid for her to be born in China. So, oh my it was, gosh! Which is, so actually, that part is um, is really sweet. Yes, and she'll forever be our made in China baby. Yes, and the experiences we had in China and the obviously learning the language was mm. a really fascinating thing to do. But to be quite honest, learning the culture in the way that we did is probably, and this is way down the steps of Buru, but mm. it's it's a priceless experience that we had because culturally speaking, I think is when um, you struggle the most working with people and mm. to really understand that culture and where they come from is a gift. Mm. And it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful time. Um, but now we're we're back in the states and have this baby <laughs> living with my parents, and we're sort of wondering, you know, what does life hold for us? Yeah. Um, and we weren't really sure. We knew Brett was going to take some time off mm-hmm. and really just be a dad. And uh, I think that I was raised by fairly young parents, not crazy young, but twenty five and twenty eight when they had me. And oh, it's oh. it's been really neat to see. Brett is an older dad because he was so ready. Yeah. And um, he is such a hands-on dad. Like, I don't think Buru would exist without my experience with passport panties or my experience in China. And it definitely wouldn't exist without having a partner in life and in business that is 50-50 everything. Wow. And and so I give his mama a lot of credit for um, raising a son who truly believes in, you know, women working and getting to do both, be a mom and work and all of those things and, and really helping in all the ways. So it's not possible without him, that's for sure. Um, and it also wouldn't be nearly as much fun. So Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, it's so sweet. And yes, we have to give Brett a massive shout out. And for those of you who follow Morgan and you've seen her Instagram stories and whatnot, your family's darling. So to be able to hear this chunk and this season of Olive joining the crew. And I can't believe that that there you guys are in the hospital that you were born as well as your dad. That There's just so many different entities in your story. And I'm loving every second because I think, and you can you can tell us, I think we're we're actually about to be introduced to Buru. And, and just a quick pause. Gosh, you guys, for those of you who know what Morgan does now, you know where Buru is currently. Uh, I mean, every single piece of your story lined up so beautifully for us to kind of dive in. But the themes I'm sensing and I'm loving are, you know, the timing. I think timing has been key. And I love that you mentioned that. And then I love too, that element of living in a layover, such an interesting kind of, and I don't know if your dad was also tying that in with passport panties, but that's a great theme that we have going on. But that element of back before you <laughs> yes, move. So true. I have not ever connected that. Is and it, Brett's dad is a pilot. Oh my gosh. Okay. And, and okay. That's amazing. But it's just so fun because too, you know, for those of you who are listening, I, I just want to point that out. Cause when you said that Morgan, I, I actually got chills living in a layover. You know, what is that season of life? What does it look like? And perhaps there's somebody listening who needs to take the flight. I mean, not to get too crazy no. cheesy, but hey, I love a pun. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> as do I. So, oh my gosh. Anyways, I, I am like obsessed with everything you're sharing. So do tell us, cause I, I think it's after all of you begin to get the entrepreneurial bug again. Is that right? 
One hundred percent. And I just want to add in something. Um, it's it's digressing a little bit, but mm. I feel like, I mean, I think I shared in there some failures, but yeah. I do just want to make sure that this all doesn't seem like rainbows and unicorns. Yeah, no. <laughs> because yeah. there were some really dark days through all of those things. You know, yeah. when you're saying goodbye to a business, when you're moving across the country, I'm super open about this, but I'm bipolar. And so, you know, obviously throughout those years, there were lots of up and ups and downs and some yeah. bottoms falling out. And so I just want to say like, when we finally have Olive, we do hit, you know, those, there are those moments in your life where things sort of settle down and you just have to lean into those because they're happy. You're in a happy zone and you pray that it will last as long as possible. But I'm not one to ever act like that's all of life. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to sort of mention that as I recap that um, there were a lot of rainbows, you know, rainbows. I mean, while we're on the puns and the cliche, <laughs> yes. like, rainbows come after rainy days, right? Yes. So, yes. Um, okay. Mm. But so here we are. We're back in my small town. Um, I just remember going to a restaurant called The Keg. And uh, Brett was wearing red pants, and you could just hear the crowd of men saying, I don't think he's from around here. It was cute. He, he, Brett had been in New York for right. almost 15 years and then Beijing. So he was definitely more of your like city kid yes. than he was or city man at that point. But anyway, so we have Olive and just like, you know, proper first time parents, we do not take her out of the house for the first two weeks. Uh, I'm pretty sure baby number two and three left in two days. <laughs> There were things to do. But uh, at that two-week mark, I'll never forget, we went to our first little lunch out. And I wore um, a dress that was in my closet, sort of like an A-line shift dress that didn't hug my little tummy. Because one thing they definitely don't tell you is that you don't, when you leave the hospital, you still look pregnant. <laughs> no one shares that ahead of time, by the way. It's completely normal. But I was not prepared for it. And I think I cried every day oh, yeah. and, um, because I thought, something was wrong with me and then I would just forever look pregnant. So I'm wearing this dress um, to kind of, you know, not graze my tummy. And she was nursing exclusively. I hated the pump. It didn't really work for me. So we just went to lunch and I was thinking, well, if she gets upset, I'll, I have like a little swaddle blanket. I'll just pop her under there and feed her. Completely disregarding that I had basically a turtleneck on with no access this is the winter also. She was born in November. And so I I have to go to the bathroom and completely disrobe and feed her. And newborns take forever to nurse. It's, I mean, later they get they become so much more efficient. But I sat in that bathroom stall for like almost 30 minutes. Oh my um gosh. and and just and I mean, Instagram wasn't what it was today. So I probably didn't even have anything fun to scroll. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. And I, I really, you know, I, I walked out and um, I realized that no one had talked to me about nursing clothes. Everything mm -hmm. had been about maternity. And it sounds crazy to say because I do feel like wow. in this, um, so this is the end of 2012. I do feel since from then to now, we've come so far in women feeling comfortable to talk about everything yeah. that has to do with mom life and that moms are sexy, not yeah. just moms, you know? Yeah. Um, and 
but back then I didn't feel like it was that way. And the bump was perceived as this magic moment. And then after that was gone, I mean, I just felt like I dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah. There, fashion for everything. Um, I, I, I felt sort of lost and I was discouraged at that lunch because I, I felt kind of like an idiot, to be honest. Um, and I knew I wanted to breastfeed her, but when I got home, I looked in my closet and I want to say, I mean, short of a few button downs, but at that point they were kind of like casual button downs. It wasn't anything that screamed me, like my fashion and wanting to be like adventurous and playful with it. I've never taken fashion that seriously. Yeah. Um, and so literally the day after that, I, I said to Brett, I was like, I, I got to go get some clothes. Like all of these things are dry clean only. They have no access or they wow. are too short. Yes. I, I guess I was living a little bit more of a fun life in Beijing. <laughs> um, and we were not going out to clubs or to big launch parties in Murray, <laughs> Kentucky. So I probably just needed some pants like with an elastic waist <laughs> or a longer skirt. And so we, um, we headed to Nashville. It may have not been the next day, but I mean, it was that week. And uh, that was a two-hour drive away. And we took the baby with us in her stroller with, you know, I mean, I'm sure we had a bag the size of, you know, a large carry-on with all her <laughs> things in it. Now we just leave the house with maybe a diaper and a bag of wipes and some hand sanitizer. But we had all the things with her. And after eight hours, and you, you sort of touched on this in the intro, we had no luck. I mean, wow. I found a few things, but I couldn't even believe just the dialogue I was having with these amazing um, saleswomen who, you know, would point me in the direction of, say, a DVS, a DVF wrap dress. Right. Lovely and actually have easy access to nurse, but they're all dry clean only. Yes. And um, a lot of them are silk. Um, and so I just it, – it was this little light bulb moment when – I wasn't quite ready to think of it as a business, but I did sort of see this space where I didn't feel like anyone was talking to moms in this way of after the bump. And, you know, even with our business now, we struggle sometimes when I say we cater to moms and they'll say like, oh, it's maternity. And I, it, it kind of bewilders me to be honest, because we are pregnant for such a short period of time in the scheme of your mom, like, right. Your mom life is forever. I mean, right. once a mom, always a mom. And then yes. my mom would even say now as a grandmother, she needs some of these same things again. You know, the yes. washable comes back in. Kids are messy. Yes. Uh, and sticky. And so it was this little idea that was sort of like just swishing around in my mind of, of how – but I had really no idea how to solve it. And I think coming off of that, in the end, what – was not a failure in my mind, but just when the wheels came off with that manufacturer yes. and I realized manufacturing was hard. It was, you were, you felt out of control in so many ways. Um, and, and it was very, very time consuming that I felt like maybe there's another way, maybe there's a faster way to do this and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And so in all those things, even though we were there eight hours and didn't find very many things, I started believing that, okay, so let's say you're in Saks, right? Yeah. That's very scaled down from what all's out there on the market. They've already filtered it. But what if we could go to market and see everything and from every brand and pick the things that worked for mom life wow. in a very fashionable, on-trend way? And so I sort of pitched the idea to Brett 
of what if we created a marketplace for moms with ready to wear brands they already know and love in a way that works for them. And I mean, he was, I think even though he had never been an entre- like a true entrepreneur, it was always in his bones. And he would say that um, he graduated college during a recession and, you know, in his mind, he went into accounting because that was safe. He knew he could always get a job with it. But at his core, there's so much entrepreneurialism. Mm. I don't know if that's actually a word. Totally. Would, <laughs> totally a word, right? It's a word now. It is. <laughs> um, inside him. And so I think he was excited to kind of jump on it um, and, and try. Uh, so within six weeks of that conversation, we were off to New York for market um, to go to Coterie, which uh, is funny because that was the market where we always sold passport panties and we'd sold it there for years. And it's at the Javits Center. Have you ever been to the Javits Center? Yes, huge. Okay. Yes. Huge, a um, little overwhelming, and you sort of feel like you're in prison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> but it does have a few skylights. We yeah. definitely <laughs> use some more natural light. But anyway. So before we go, so you have to register for Coterie. So I knew I did at least know all the back end of that and that process, which I found, you know, to be super helpful and probably made it possible for us to do it so quickly because we at least knew what to do. And so we, we come up with a name. Buru actually means to breastfeed in Mandarin. So we, I never consider us a breastfeeding company, but for me, that was the, that was the instigator of it all that I couldn't do that easily in my wardrobe. So wow. and I studied the language at that point for almost four years. So it's just an undercurrent of the brand. Wow. And I also wanted it to have a name that was completely unique in English. Yeah. Um, versus just kind of using another name or another word. Oh. Uh, and so we, we get the name, we buy shopburu.com on GoDaddy. <laughs> Uh, and we print some really special business cards on Zazzle.com and we head to market and uh, unexpected twist. No one would sell to us. Wow. (laughs) I mean, which is funny because I think with passport panties, anybody who wanted to buy, I mean, we were hungry 20 something. So we sold to them. Yes. So when we get up there and no one sells to us and they're like, well, who are you carrying? Who's your brand matrix? And I was like, what's a brand matrix? Right. I learned quickly what that meant. But so we leave day one of that show with not a single order. And I'm not even so sure we went wanting to write orders. Like we were kind of thinking we'd do a little research. But then at the end of the day, we, um, when we had so many no's, then we were almost more motivated. Right. <laughs> you know, when people tell you no, you're like, no, yeah. I will find someone. <laughs> so we leave day one, pretty sure we have some wine, feeling a little sorry for ourselves. We come back the next day and we realize we're in a chicken and egg situation. Like we have to get one, one brand and then maybe we can snowball off of that. And honestly, um, this is back to our timing thing. We're walking in like the bowels of Javits. <laughs> like way deep in there because those were like new brands would be. So we're thinking maybe somebody will say yes to us here, like an up and coming brand versus, you know, like the established ones are right at the front and they have kind of like gates to get in or oh definitely someone God. with a clipboard yes. making sure you have an appointment. And we run into Rebecca Minkoff, who wow. is an old friend and an old friend because when she launched 
her morning after bag, which was her first handbag, her PR company reached out to see if we would put passport panties in them for the press of launch. Wow. Because it was sort of like this perfect, you know, morning after bag. Like a yes. Pair of panties. Like it, it went together and it was so yes. cute. Yes. So I see her. She is nursing her first baby. She asked me what we're doing. I give her the spiel of our plan and that we're just getting started. And she says, well, let's go. I'm walking to the booth and you can carry us. Oh, my God. So she walks us straight in. We sit down. We write an order. And then from there on, I've probably never said Rebecca Minkoff so many times in my life because every booth we went in, I was like, well, we carry Rebecca Minkoff. Amazing. <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, things just started to roll. And we built um, a solid little brand matrix, which I learned in that same market. Um, and then, which would eventually launch a site. The goal would have been September of 2013, because as you know, you order so far in advance. Wow. And so then we went home and figured out how to create a website, um, and, and how to take photos and edit them. And, um, I mean, literally just trial and error, um, as scrappy as we could, we are completely self-funded and, um, you know, we've had some loans we've taken from from family along the way. I like to be really transparent about this because money doesn't just fall from the sky. But yeah. we're not trust fund babies, and yeah. we uh, we this is this is what feeds our family. So we are scrappy people, and we figured it out. And we have this mark like marketplace model for almost three years. Wow! And which so sort of the original model, right? Like everything we keep buying wholesale, and we develop that brand matrix just keeps evolving. So in the end, we're Ula Johnson, Rachel Comey, Love Shack Fancy, these incredible brands. And then Brett sits me down, and he says, "We're running at a ten percent gross margin." <laughs> gross, by the way. So that means you have a lot of expenses that come out of that. That's just meaning we're only making 10% more than what we're buying these items for, which is not sustainable, just (laughs) obviously. So it's, it was, our strategy wasn't working and not for us. I mean, obviously this model works for many, but we, we started to break it down as to why. And ultimately it was the lack of control. So we had no control over when we were going to get the merchandise, when that merchandise was going to go on sale, what wow. the price of that merchandise was. You know, we had brands that we loved that in in a one to two season span went from two ninety five to five ninety five. And wow, if you want to rock a five hundred to seven hundred dollar dress at the playground, I go say go for <laughs> it, go for it, girl, go for it. I mean, own it. But that wasn't the message. that I was trying to say. Like, I felt like there was a sweeter spot there Um, and a price point that was more like 150 to 250, but that still felt special and unique and didn't feel mass produced. And so quitting was not an option. Um, So we just decided (laughs) in that moment of, hey, this is really not working, that we would double down. And so we did. Like, We cashed in our 401ks. We sold stock. Apple. Probably not at the best time to sell it, but we like to not harp on those things. <laughs> um, and we, uh, I, d- I designed a capsule collection. And so the idea was to test it and see if people would actually even buy the Buru brand. So we didn't drop the other brands right away. Okay. We sort of um, trimmed the fat a little bit and went from about 30 designers to 8 to 10 and tested a 12-piece capsule collection right in that price point I was saying of 150 to 250 
of lower runs, so it felt more unique, and people bought it. Um, wow. Our customers bought it, and not all. We lost some customers along the way who really loved those designer brands we were carrying, and, and we knew that that would be a risk. And mm -hmm. I always say that it's my motivation to get those people back. Mm -hmm. They hold Buru to um, the standard of some of those far more established designers that I obviously respect so much. Yeah. Um, I am an accidental designer, after all. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's going to take me some time to hone my craft. And But I, I think in the end, what we've sort of found was we had the customer. You know, mm. we 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 built the, the backbone of how we were going to sell the goods. Right. We just had to shift the goods we were selling so that we had the ownership and that we could control them never going on sale. We rarely have sales. Um, I think it's a sad issue that the fashion industry has. And I'm always, um, the one thing I do love about interiors is that they don't mark their stuff down. Right. <laughs> They'll sell a wallpaper for the same price for two decades, which I think is phenomenal. Um, so that was one thing I actually really do respect and love about interior design. But so we, we do this capsule. I think we found um, a white space for us. And at this point, we're producing all overseas. Um, and we start to realize that while that's going great, you can, you know, there are definitely times when you see like, hey, I mean, these are our designs and our production, but we still are missing some control in this process. Right. And I think from being burned several times without, it's probably the biggest lesson I've learned in, in my life as a business owner is how important your control is over what you sell. Um, because you can be the best marketer. You can have a huge advertising budget. Not that we do. I'm just saying you right. could. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but if you don't have a product, you have ultimately nothing. So wow. we, we doubled down again and decided let's maybe try some, um, domestic production. And we started working with a local factory here mm -hmm. and then again realized, okay, this is, this is in our backyard, but it's not, it's, it's like, our, it's backyard adjacent. We right. need it in our backyard. And right. so we actually hired two sewers and bought, I think, four machines to start. Oh my gosh. And now we're up to 20 oh. and we have a full-time cutter, a production manager, and a full-time pattern maker and sample maker. Wow. And 50% uh, of our goods are produced domestically um, on a factory, like on our street as our headquarters in our cute little storefront in oh. downtown Los Angeles. And it's just been, I mean, that I felt like I kind of crammed a lot in, into a short period. But to me, this, the last three years of me designing has gone, it has flown by. Mm. And um, it's probably because it's nonstop and yeah. the collections, you know, they get larger. And um, I I would like to think better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just knocking on wood. That that's true. And um, because, you know, everything is a learning curve and every day and, and on top of like having the control of the, of what well, we call it our micro factory. But I think it's also basically like me going to design school, um, because I am watching everything happen from the ground up all the time and learning from these incredibly talented people that we have, that we pay a living wage and really believe in 
I believe in um, manufacturing in the U.S. I believe in manufacturing yeah. in China too. I, I I honestly do, and we've been to that factory so many times. And the way people are treated is so important to me. Yeah. Um, I always like to share about China because I think there's sometimes a misconception. But when you think about how much is produced there and how much every country in the world produces there, but there's been such an investment over there that. So many of the factories we visited in China are far nicer than the ones that exist here. So, and I think that that it doesn't get talked about probably because it's ugly. Yeah. Um, but it was important for us to have a nice space. Yeah. For our team and and building this factory has just been, I mean, a, a truly a dream come true. There's so many parts of this business that are great, but really being a part of the production and and having this ability to be nimble and work with unique partners and do things in real time, you know, fashion can be really long when it's overseas. Just getting the goods here can take a really long time. So it's been an amazing, an amazing thing. And it, we are, I guess, Buru technically just turned eight, but sometimes I feel like we are only the age of our first collection because from there we became a completely different company. And I always say like we became a brand that day. Whereas before we were a marketplace and now I, I can speak so clearly as to who Buru is yeah. and that I will forever be on this mission in the name of mom style for it to not mean frumpy jeans. Yeah. <laughs> I, when, when I think about the moms I'm with all the time, I just think, oh my gosh, they have so hit their stride. They know who they are and there's so much mm. style in that. Yeah. You know, they, they know their style. They and it's funny to me, I mean, obviously, young 20-somethings look amazing in clothes and they can rock it and they can wear anything. I mean, yes. sometimes moms are a little more limited because we're on the floor and we're bending over and, you know, we have all of these other – we need it to be washable. But I do not think that mom style should mean anything other than fabulous because yes. moms are fabulous and, like, yeah. they make people. Yes, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a superpower if I've ever heard of one. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, Morgan, I I, I want to preface because I, I think the the thing that mm, the biggest takeaway I'm having right now, and and hopefully this is like the biggest compliment I can give you, is I am not yet a mother, but mm-hmm. a couple things. I'll wear anything you create. I love all of it. <laughs> and two. When I think about becoming a mom and getting dressed and going out and being out and about with whoever that little baby will be, I I always go to you to see what you're wearing. And I think that, I mean, I have chills over here because truly what you have created, what you went out to make, and I love that it, I love that it transitioned into this brand. I think Buru is even bigger than it could have been with you at the helm as the designer. Um, but gosh, I mean, I know you guys, those of you who are listening, you, you've enjoyed this. I, I want to just rewind and say, everybody needs a pen and a paper at the beginning of this conversation. I've got oh. a full page of notes over here, Morgan. And I just am loving every second and to see what you've created. And you guys, we're going to give you a chance to connect with Morgan. Many of you already probably follow her, but she does amazing stories. She puts together these pieces. A a little while ago, she mentioned she loves to have fun and play with fashion. She doesn't take it too seriously. And I think that's what speaks to us as customers the most is 
you make it not so scary to dress up and not so scary to put things together. Um, and the price point allows that as well as being washable fabrics and whatnot. So I, I mean, I knew I was going to be obsessed with this conversation, <laughs> but you have blown me away. This is, oh, it's amazing. And, but I would love to know because we've heard, we've been able to hear so many different entities of your story and, and kind of how gosh, different failures have, have kind of shaped it along with the greatest lessons you've kind of learned. What, what is it that you're actually learning currently with Buru? I mean, honestly, the, the lessons seem to be endless. <laughs> Every day it is something new. I think I'm learning, and you sort of touched on it, that any woman can wear these clothes. Yeah. And, and that is and for me to figure out that messaging is still always a little bit of a challenge because the inspiration is and will be motherhood. But it, that is, for me, the designs should speak for themselves. And then they have all these hidden useful things like yes. the elastic waist in the back, the pockets, the easy access to nurse, the fact that they can be worn through the seasons, through generations, through seasons of your life on yeah. top of weather seasons. But what I'm learning is design. Every day it is, how can we grade this better? How can this fit better? What would make this more comfortable or more stylish or give it more longevity? And, and how can we streamline our processes? And then also, I mean, just in terms of learning and like some of my favorite things I've learned lately are that the connections with women are A, my favorite thing about this business, but B, what I truly believe drives the business. And I I would like to think that I'm not an opportunist in a way that would ever take advantage of someone. It just right. doesn't really feel right to me because I, I believe in a long-term relationship. And yeah. then when it's mutually beneficial for you to connect, and I'm going to give an example of um, my dear friend, Brooklyn Decker, who we met years ago. Um, she on she was on her show, and another friend of mine, um, Jean Diane, who was on Grace and Frankie, introduced me to Brooklyn. And Brooklyn was pumping with her first, and might have been her second at that point. But she, you know, new mom again, and we meet in her trailer. And she's also a southerner, and could not have been more lovely. And we just sort of hit it off. And then years later, we're deep into the pandemic, and. Um, I reached out to see if she would ever want to, she loves clothes and always looks so fantastic. And yes. I reached out to see um, if she would ever want to do anything. And I know sh how much she believes and loves the side of our business that is the factory and the cut on demand and, you know, more, we call it our responsible manufacturing. We're always careful with the word sustainable because I don't know that anyone actually knows 100%. Yes, true. <laughs> we try to be responsible. Yes. And she said yes. And it was I knew in that moment it was a big deal, but on the day we launched that collection, which you know was months in the making and she had incredible input and I feel like this collection we designed was just beautiful in appearance, but be the behind the scenes was so special and her mother and grandmother and aunt all wore it in the launch. And mm. on that day that we launched, um, we hit a number that I didn't know was possible in a day. Wow. And we hit it early in the day and I sobbed. And there's this picture of me <laughs> with the kids and I'm crying and it's far too early to be drinking champagne, <laughs> but we cracked it anyway. And 
it was this major moment of when I thought, you know, like relationships are key and authentic relationships. And, Mm. um, and I'm so grateful to Brooklyn and to everyone we've ever worked with. I mean, we've Mm. had some incredible women, Valerie Dittner and Megan Stokes and Mm. Julianne Taylor. And we have so many more in the pipeline coming. Um, but they've helped us to change this business and, and, and it's been so fun along the way. So I think what I'm learning is just that if there's anything you can collect in life, it's just to collect wonderful people Mm. (laughs) and relationships and experiences. And, um, I'm so grateful for the people I've met along this journey. Oh, wow. But you know, so much of that. And for those who are listening and myself experiencing this opportunity and conversation with you today, that goes back to you, Morgan, because something tells me when you are at LaGuardia and you're running up to that taxi and you see a cute woman, you're like, hey, hold on. And you're in China, you're looking for the other blonde. That is true to you. So what an encouragement. You guys, let's gain, just take some confidence from Morgan uh, to be when you're out and about. Say hello, you know, uh, give a compliment to somebody across the way if you like their style. Make a friend. That that's such an amazing theme in your story, Morgan, and I love that that's really where you landed on of collecting authentic relationships and experiences. And gosh, to have seen you guys, many of you may have followed Morgan through the summer and her pop-up journey across the U.S. We know you always have something exciting around the corner. So tell us, what can we be looking forward to? What's next for you? Yes. Well, first I'll touch on the um, traveling around. Yes. <laughs> that is definitely <laughs> something that's going on. So early on, we bought our, a Sprinter van and turned it into a little oh mobile gosh. store. <sighs> and that was, you know, Brett coming from the car business. That was his idea. Oh and, my gosh. And the idea was always to grow that. And then of course, you know, we had the pandemic and um, hiring and finding the right people. We, we are a slow to hire company. You know, that's just yeah. because we're a family yeah. business and that's just the way we've always sort of done it. But Right now, our little fleet of Buru buses is in a big growth phase. So we, oh. at the, by the end of this year, we'll have four on the road oh. and um, one in Charlotte, one Tampa, Dallas, and Nashville. And then we as a family will take another tour out in the summer. Um, and so that's sort of what we – it's kind of like camp for our kids. Oh. Uh, and we, we, we don't go much further east anymore than Michigan. We spend a lot of time in Michigan for the summer, which is our happy place. But oh. we do travel all over and we pop up with incredible partners. Um, our four uh, other buses, we call them Buru buses, they do a lot of in-home, which was actually a really neat thing and still is as we are you know, still in COVID and everyone's wanting to be safe. They're yeah. all outdoors. Wow. Um, they're kind of like shopping with your little pod that you're oh. already with. And then in the summers when we do it, we we do partner with stores and just, uh, again, incredible people we've met along the way, like-minded business attitudes and style. And um, so that's something that's definitely going on. And then I sort of touched on these collabs yes. uh, that we have. And I'll just mention a few that are coming for this year. There okay. are so many fun ones for 2022. But um, the Nat Note. Oh, yeah. Sure you follow Natalie's yes. name, but she's incredible. And we have a mommy and me. She has boys, and I find mommy and me for boys is very rare. <sighs> so we have that coming up. We have um, a really neat uh, capsule collection with Garden and Gun and the Sill that we're doing a big event, launch event in Charleston in November. We have a holiday collection with Masonette, which I think is really neat. And then 
uh, the last one I'll sort of mention is the beginning of 2022, but I'm not sure if you are familiar with the Southern Sea Summit. No, I don't know the name. Um, so it's incredible. It is Southern truly like a summit conference. I mean, I think summit sounds prettier, but it's um, <laughs> always at Sea Island and it's founded by these two incredible women and we have something really fun up our sleeves with them and that'll be in early February. So oh. there's there's so many um, oh, and then we have a holiday, co- another holiday collection with Valerie Dittner, and she uh, just has the coolest style. So she's a Texas girl, uh, and so so those are, you know, and then just kind of your everyday things: growing the factory more. Um, yeah. We have a retail store in Los Angeles that's just yes. kind of getting on its feet. Like we've we've struggled to find, you know, there's always struggles in business, and, and we've struggled to find full time. Um, help and just COVID has mm. been super weird in Los Angeles, but yes. that is that's on the cusp. So lots of lots of good fun things and just you know you just wake up every day and keep swimming. Oh, yes, well it's amazing and thank you for giving us just a little bit of an inside scoop as to what's coming. I'm glad I asked. I knew that I would be excited <laughs> with the answers, <laughs> and I definitely was. Oh my goodness! Well, Morgan, tell me this: Is there anything we didn't cover today that you'd like to? Oh my goodness! I felt like I was like the chatty Kathy doll. So I like, love it. I cleared <laughs> out, and I just never stopped. But it's funny, you know, um, when you go so fast in this business. And I mean, you basically wake up every day and for us with three little ones yeah. um, who play such a big role, we are legitimately a family business. I yeah. mean, our kids are, you know, Schaefer came over after school. He does his speech therapy here in the office. So he's not distracted by the other two kiddos Aww. and he came over and then he wanted to help. So he's putting like barcodes on things that just <laughs> came back from the factory. And so if any of you all get them and your barcodes are super crooked, <laughs> That was Schaefer. We know why. Um, we know why. So sweet. <laughs> and uh, but oh, I was going somewhere with that about just the uh, family business element is amazing. But you wake up every day with such a big to do list, you know, part oh, family, wow. part work. But it has been such a joy to sort of recap this. I feel like oh. um, I feel like I went down memory lane, and oh. I actually feel like I. I'm reminded of some lessons I learned and I need to make sure I'm applying them. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. Well, again, I mean, this has been such a treat. I, I, I just think it's incredible to go back and to hear, and we didn't even, we didn't even touch on every single detail, but from the marketing background, from your experience with passport panties and your time in China and you guys, listeners, hopefully you learned something new about Morgan. I got to unpack and hear so many different entities about your business, your brand, and boy, I, I'm telling you this was a fan before and now fan for life. I mean, it's just yeah. incredible to hear what you've done and 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 I love, I love, and this is maybe my main takeaway is that authentic relationships. Who can I follow up with? Who can I encourage? Who can I continue to stay connected to in my life that that we can support one another. And to your point of years later, connecting with Brooklyn, I mean, Morgan, I could, I could unpack every single thing you said, (laughs) I'll stop, but it does, it does seem to be a theme in your life that, that networking and keeping those authentic relationships close, you do that so well. Uh, So I'd love to ask, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story? Absolutely. So um, this was a little sneak peek in your, when you send your (laughs) <laughs> maybe what your little questions will be, but also it's my favorite question that you ask mm. in every podcast, which I've you know listened to them all. We've already <laughs> established that, and so I I really thought about this. I it's I could sit here for forty five minutes and name, 
But I thought about some people that might um, just be similar stories to what you cover, but kind of different parts of the country. Awesome. Um, I just thought that would be neat. And so my first one that I want to mention is um, Maggie of Leland Gal. So she is based in Michigan, actually in Leland, Michigan, which makes sense because she is at Leland Gal. Um, she is one of the kindest, most colorful. She's an artist wow. and her art has turned from, you know, paintings and now it is on my coffee cup that I'm looking at right now. Wow. And on clothing, she has this incredible store on Main Street in Leland, which is legitimately a dreamy place. I, the only reason I didn't want to share it is because I don't want everybody <laughs> to know about it. Um, and it, it's a magical place and she is a magical person. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, she's all about creating joy. Mm-hmm. And I really just like her story because it's another organic story. And I think that it's relatable because she's just built on, you know, like like we have done as well, but bootstrapping. Mm. And I think that for people thinking of starting a business, you know, we seem to be in a big culture right now of how much you raise is how much you're worth. Mm. And I think sometimes it's refreshing to hear wow. a story of maybe that seems a little more attainable and you can start here and make it all the way here without starting at the crazy, crazy top. Right. Um, huge, huge amount of capital. So she's fantastic. I think everyone would love listening oh. listening to her in general and then hearing her story. And then I also, are you familiar with Dudley Stevens? Only slightly. Tell us. Okay. So these are two sisters, uh, Lauren and Kaki, and they have um, a truly sustainable, uh, and when I first heard of it, I thought, oh, fascinating, like stylish fleece. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, it seemed like something I hadn't seen, but it truly is. And actually a lot of the pieces kind of remind me of this turtleneck that Audrey Hepburn wears in Breakfast at Tiffany's, but they oh. are, they produce them in Brooklyn. They're all made out of recycled water bottles. Oh my gosh. Uh, they're the things that you just want to throw on and keep on. And these two sister powerhouses who've just created this beautiful brand and product. And um, I think that you would like their story. And then, are you okay for two more? Oh, oh yeah. More. This is awesome. I'll, I'll be quiet. Um, and I want to say someone has mentioned this person before, but Hunter Bell and I went to college together, oh. and she has such a beautiful collection. We actually didn't know each other in college. Oh, my gosh. But we're there at the exact same time uh, and connected after, and she's such a dear friend and so talented and has an amazing story and just how she's evolved and um, – and really kind of survived this transition of only wholesale into direct-to-consumer as well. So I think her story's great. And then the last one is different because it's not product-driven. But when you speak of like authentic relationships, one of the longest and most authentic relationships that have come out of starting Buru is with Jackie Thompson, who owns Mm -hmm. Leapfrog PR in Charleston. And so she might not have a direct product, but she sure does represent a ton (laughs) of people and promoting women. And she's such a light. Mm. And I I think it just in terms of like kind of touching on a different industry as to how she built a brand as a PR company and is really this like go-to source for so many Southern Mm -hmm. um, companies, like I said, based out of Charleston versus being based out of, you know, New York or LA, like you often here PR companies are. And she's a connector and just an all around fabulous human. Mm -hmm. So 
Those those were the four that came to mind that haven't already been on here. Oh. And uh, but like I said, I could go on forever because <laughs> it, it, you just always you know when you're a female entrepreneur, you do just tend to kind of meet that same crew. Yeah, and I think it's because you're encouraging each other, and I always try to shop small and. Oh those things. So, oh, so <laughs> sweet. Thank you so much, Morgan. You all will have to be on the lookout for a potential episode with Maggie, Lauren, Kaki, Hunter, or Jackie. Again, thank you so much. Such amazing recommendations. Well, I've been teasing this quite a bit and I'm sure listener, you've already looked up Morgan. Perhaps you already follow her. Perhaps you've already bought or purchased a new item from Buru, but Morgan, where can listeners connect with you? Absolutely. So our website is shopburu.com and that's buru with a B. (laughs) B is in boy. Um, Sometimes people think I'm saying guru, but it is buru, um, which I mentioned earlier. And uh, then on Instagram at at shopburu, which I really feel like, of course, the website is um, easy to shop and it's where you'll see everything. But Instagram is a lot of our personality. And then also, if you'd like to know where we are popping up, you can sh- uh, you can follow at the Buru Bus, and that has where all of our buses are all over the country, uh, which I think is another fun follow. And they do such a great job of featuring our amazing customers wearing Buru. Oh, so my goodness. it's a it's, it's a fun follow. It's very happy. Oh, how fun! Well, I will have to go and follow Buru Bus and double check that I am. And you guys, I, I just can't say enough. I mean, you you've heard it. I, I've been blown away today, and 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 do go connect with more. Morgan, you're going to be happy that you did. And Morgan, thank you so much for your time today. This was a real treat. Oh my goodness. I cannot thank you enough. What a joy. And the last thing I just want to say is if you're not a mom, that does not mean you can't also head to Buru because I'm pretty sure you would find something fun too. It'll just have a little surprise functionality that you maybe weren't expecting. (laughs) I think maybe for a later date though. I love it. I love it. So true. Thank you so much. What a treat this was to chat with you, Emily. Likewise. Thanks again. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday for a new episode. We will talk to you soon. Bye.